we are recording. We're, what are we recording? We are recording our voices. Hello, coming to you from our voices. <laughs> we are the Linky Guy. And our voices happen to be in Boulder, Colorado. On the hill. And this is the word on the hill. And we are appreciative for your patronage. Mm, we are. Did I, did I come off patronizing? <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm Scott Powell. And I'm Father Peter Musset. And here we are again. Uh, it is great. It is a beautiful, rainy, cool afternoon in Boulder. I love rain Dude. and coolness because we last year we talked a lot about our coffee, which ticked off Avery Balsinger, who did, never had her coffee before this. But we're back to the coffee. It's actually cold enough that we can be having a warm cup of coffee in our hands. Oh, my goodness. And I'll tell you, it's, good. It's, it's delicious, Avery. It is delicious. No, she gets coffee before she listens to us. No. Oh, that's right. That's right. Well, you know, I just have to say, like, I feel like oh, I'm on the, I'm on the island, because like which island is that? The, the I, Lost Island. The Lost Island with the island boys now, yeah. <laughs> because what it feels like is a continuous rain. Sometimes it oh, feel, sometimes it feel a little misty like, and sometimes it come down full force. This is the thing. We're in Colorado, and Colorado. If you know this or not, yeah. If you're not listening in Colorado, Colorado has the most sun. Of any state, we get the most sunny days of the year of any state in the nation, including Florida, which is known as the Sunshine State. So stick it, Florida. <laughs> <laughs> no, we do get more sun though, consistently, dude. With, and I, I, you can tell it because by tomorrow morning, we're all flipping out. Everybody's everyone's gonna be losing like, it. They're gonna like they'd be like, I have seasonal traumatic disorder, seasonal affectionate disorder, or whatever that is. <laughs> Not affectionate disorder. <laughs> But yeah, no, it's true. I mean, consistent rain just flips us out. It does. And, and it, we don't know what to do with consistent weather. Any consistent weather. Well, you know what the truth is? Is that tomorrow I scheduled my motorcycle training class. <laughs> oh, jeez. So I might. So I looked on the website and they were like, they were like, in case of inclement weather, unless you get a phone call from us, please plan on attending. And I'm Uh-oh. like, dude, that's good, man. I w- you're going to learn it. I want to have like training in the middle of the torrential downpour because then I'll have confidence. You might have it. You're going to have it, man. Good Dude, for you. Yeah, so everybody's been freaking out. Don Baselli sent me a really, really kind email saying, don't, he says, motorcycles are foolish. Oh, shoot. And I, and I agree, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but you're still getting one. I, I well, I am because, dude, this is the thing: is that um, my it's a dream of mine to be able to do a cross country trip on motorcycles with my dad. Oh, does he have a motorcycle? He does, and uh, and so, oh. so so it's a dream. So it's one of those things where it's like I want to work up to that and and in, enjoy. Like that's just like it's idyllic. It's like one of those things where like he's he's sixty six, and so he's not getting younger. And, no. uh, and none so, of us really are. Well, except for that Benjamin Button. That was a terrible movie. <laughs> that was the longest movie I know, I've ever seen. And it just felt backwards the whole time. I know. <laughs> Dude, All so right. I was listening to something the other day. What were you listening to? The oh, Lanky Guys. No, the Word on the Hill with the Lanky Guys. What is our name? <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even know. Whatever we are. Dude, I like how people try to tell us our my name our name to me, and they're like, oh, yeah, you guys, the Lanky Hill. The, <laughs> Nobody said that. The word Somebody called the, us the Lanky Hill? No, they didn't. They were like, it's the word on the lank. <laughs> no, they didn't. I know. All right, so what were you listening to? I was listening to 99% Invisible. Yeah, another, that's a good one. Another podcast with Roman Mars. And they were who we've mentioned on this podcast. Have we before. mentioned Roman? Oh, I don't think. Maybe not. Well, we've mentioned the German one. 
Oh yeah, but Roman he was talking about um uh, about time clocks and and how like Are there and, different kinds in, of clocks. No, in broadcasting, there's like each segment has a certain amount of time allotted to it. Okay. And um and 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 then he said, but in the podcast world, we don't have to abide by. We can do whatever we want. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> and so let's transition into the readings now. Well, we we're gonna give our shout outs. We have a whole bunch of shout outs to give. Oh, shout it out. Do you have any shout outs? No. Well, I, I have one shout out that told somebody told me to give. Oh, that's the one I have open. But you give it, and then we have two more. Okay. It says, this is a shout-out coming from Scott Powell to Scott Powell. Sam, what's up? I didn't do that one. Now it just sounds like I'm big-headed. No, I was. we were joking with somebody about how you like shout-outs. And I, I don't even remember. The shout-outs were your idea. I know. <laughs> don't, I don't tell me I like actually, shout-outs. Actually, you know what's funny? Is I, don't, I, don't, I don't even remember why we were joking about having you shout-out to yourself. But <laughs> That just makes but, me sound pompous. But then they told me that I already did it last week. And then I was like, I, I have, I'm in. I'm smarter than I even know. I like do stuff before I you even You did a shout-out from me to me? Uh-huh. I can't believe you would repeat something two weeks in a row. Oh, by the way, how does Moses like his coffee? Dude, he brews it. I'll tell you what. I've gotten a lot of positive emails about that stupid joke. <laughs> People love it. Dude, here, here's here's a question, though, okay. man. What happens to Moses after he brews his coffee? He poops it. No. <laughs> I don't know. He, I'll edit that. I'll edit. Oh, sorry, ask it again. He, he bruises. I don't, I don't get it. Cause like a bruise, he. I know what a bruise had, is. He bruises it. Why he does he bruise? He bruises. He bruises. But why does he get a bruise? Because it's funny. It's language. <laughs> I'm just. It's like. It's gotta that? have logic to it. <laughs> That's just words that rhyme. It's words that rhyme hour with the lanky guys. <laughs> sorry. Oh my gosh! Hold on. What? Um, I just got an, uh, an emergency notice that says we have a bear in the tree at the PC. What? Hold on, I got a video. Is this for real? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go. And we're live. So for you, it has been a few brief seconds. Not even that, a split second. And for us, it's been hours of time. (laughs) It is now the night. And uh, what's happened is that there were three bears... Um, and and Goldilocks showed up <laughs> yeah, too. Couldn't find their porridge. And uh, and it was really very it was very intense. It was ridiculous. There were three bears up the tree: a mama bear and two little cubs. And and, and uh, listen to the day so far, everyone. Okay. This has been our day. So we ha- we were at you know what was it like one o'clock when we were recording before? Mm-hmm. Things were great. Having a cup of coffee. Bears show up in the tree. Animal control is here. Things are going crazy. Bears are wandering the neighborhood. They're peeing and pooping out of the tree. <laughs> Plebe were flipping out, and then the rains came, and the a sky has opened into a deluge. A deluge. A, del, a deluge. A deluge. 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 Dude, deluge. I'm delusioned after ah. this. Ah. But it's seriously crazy. They're shutting down roads, cats and dogs living together. Total Totally. Total anarchy. <laughs> dude, total anarchy. I mean, dude, it's it, just imagine this, the like a, a Twinkie, the size <laughs> of Boulder. We did this last week. Did no, yeah. we did. Yes, we did. Oh man, I'm embarrassed. Do you know how? You yeah, know I started it. The cats and dogs living together. Well, what's really nice is that we could just find the same things funny over and over and over again, which we do. And, like, and we will continue to do. And, and so you do too. You do because you keep listening to and us. It, here's the thing: it's late because it's been a long day. Because we, 
spent all of our time podcasting looking at the looking at the bears dude i know we, we, it was really fun though it's it was kind of it like a, it was like our own personal zoo right outside of our pastoral today center. has been a full-out adventure at the saint thomas aquinas catholic center it hasn't there was it's got taught a class it's out of class it's the roads are flooding now people are flipping out Dude, I it's crazy. I literally it's a crazy drew, night. I literally <clears throat> drove drove through ten through two Djibouti. I I drew through ten inches of water to get here. Did you really? Yeah. Where was that? It was over <laughs> off of um, Colorado and Thirtieth. Really, ten inches? I mean, it was deep at the deepest part. I mean, wow. Okay. No, no, no. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to pick it apart. Whatever, dude. You drove. I just. I was driving back the same time you were, and I didn't see that. No, no. Oh, I, later than that. I you drove. I just. And then I. Oh, you and, just got back. Yeah, things were flooding, and like I had Crazy. to get shop vacs, and like. Oh right, because the girls. And then there was a bunch of dudes like smoking cigars from Regis, which pi, B, P S. B, <laughs> no, it's true. And uh, and they and uh, dude, it's the Regis guys, and they wanted to shout out because they're all lanky. Oh, guys hey, shout out to the Regis guys. Whoop, they, whoop. they really listen. Yeah, they really no. listen. Yeah, they do. Um, they're the one. Well, they're they're col- They they all went to Regis, but now they're in oh, they're college. Here now. Yeah, Are they here. They're up here, and so they, <clears> it was like a little Regis reunion from the Regis High School in the nice. Colorado area. Nice. Well, shout out to the Regis guys. Whoop, whoop. Also, shout out. What do we got? We got a shout out to Nicholas to Nick Sandoval. Do you know Nick? Yeah, yeah, of course. Did you get that email? No, I didn't look. He demanded a shout out, dude. Well, Nick, Nick deserves a shout out because Nick is like old school, like, and I am filled with love for him. Oh man, but he sent a great email. So he, um, what did he say? He's he's a loyal listener. He listens. He thinks it's great. Which is thank you very much, Nick. Um, but he said uh, he thinks it's interesting that we sometimes wonder where folks listen to this, right? So people are building rockets, people are painting their houses, training uh, people in Kazakhstan, right? Training Jen Lozier is on her on her treadmill. Avery Balsinger is not drinking her coffee, stuck in traffic. <laughs> you know where do people listen? And so he pointed out, um, uh, he listens while making bacterial mutants in the lab at the University of Delaware, <laughs> which I just thought was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Bacterial mutation. Bacterial mutants. So dude, that's what he's doing as, that, we're, as we're podcasting. Dude, well, may your may your mutant bacteria <laughs> not turn out like the toxic event gender. No. Oh, yeah, no. Not at all. Um, also want to give a shout out to Missy Schultz. Missy. Who uh, has been listening for a while. She actually heard about us when I did an interview on Catholic Answers Live. A while oh, yeah. Ago. Which is cool because I always wondered if any human beings heard that <laughs> that dude, radio show. Dude, that's the problem with radio broadcasts and not podcasts, dude. Because we you don't know. Yeah, we can see our numbers, so we yeah. we've been actually having a steady we know increase. Both of you listen to us. <laughs> we we no, now have four people Yay! listening. Hey, thank you. No, I wonder if Missy is little because then they would call her Little Missy. Oh, that would be awesome. Hold on. I think I just brought up a wound from her past because oh. I, you know how like- Do you know you Missy? Get, no, no. But just oh. imagine like if you had the name Missy, they'd be like, hey, little Missy. And then she is the, and then I'm activating things for you. So I'm Missy. I'm oh. ha- I'm happy you're with us. And I hope that I didn't bring up childhood woundedness for you. Oh, you probably did. I'm a punk. Somebody talked, somebody sent, oh, she's in Bettendorf, Iowa. Now I can make fun of the word Bettendorf. Bettendorf. <laughs> I want. <laughs> I've been through Bettendorf. It is along I eighty, I think. That's weird. Why? Because, dude, you've I mean, never been through Bettendorf, Iowa, dude. Like that sounds like, hey, man, don't start the car unless you're going to Bettendorf. <laughs> hey, I don't know anything about Bettendorf, Missy, <laughs> but I'm. I tell us about it. Yeah. Send us a picture of you in Bettendorf. In Bettendorf. Well, this. Wait, who the, was? Oh, 
Oh, oh, it was Nick. He said uh, he heard Moses got a Keurig recently. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was Missy, but that was <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, uh, I think that um, <clears throat> I have nothing to say. <laughs> well, let's talk about the readings then, dude. Because hopefully you have something to say about that. Yes, I do. So today, the twenty fourth Sunday, Sunday ordinary, in ordinary time, time. Dun, dun, dun. we are looking at the Book of Exodus, chapter thirty two, seven through eleven, thirteen and fourteen. Once again, we're missing one tiny little verse. Dude, why did they do this to us? We'll get to that in a minute. Okay. All right, Psalm 51 with... Okay, I wanted to ask you about this because this is weird stuff, man. All right, Psalm 51. God in your kindness. No, not that. In your compassion. Not on my offense. Dude, that's that's a... That's Stan, Father Stan Fortuna. Give I, a I was out about to, to say, you sounded like Father Stan Fortuna. Yeah, but this is that one song. Have mercy on my God in your kindness. In your compassion, but out my offense. Have mercy on my God in your kindness. You know this song about purity? Um, zipper Zone? Yeah, the Zipper Zone. Zipper Zone. The evil one has a bad plan to drag you down to the Zipper Zone. Yeah. Dude, that's creative, dude. You got to uh, imagine, awesome. dude. He does it at youth conferences and stuff. All right, First Timothy. Chapter 1, verse 12 through 17. And then finally, the gospel is from Luke. Luke. Dude, I think it's like the whole of Luke. <laughs> it's all of Luke 15. It is the entire chapter. Dude, this is like a baller reading. Do you know how reading. I know that? How, did you look at the reading in the Bible? Well, no, actually, I didn't. Oh, okay. I know it because it's my favorite chapter in the Bible. Dude, so we got a lot to, to deal with. Let's get yeah, just jump in. With. Okay, uh, chapter, verse 1 through 32. Okay. Uh, exod- Exodus. Movement of the people. Okay, what are we doing here, dude? We're sorry. Um, it's been a super long day, man. I know you're crazy. You literally just taught a class. I literally taught a class. I ran here in the rain, dude. It, I mean, you had <sighs> like, dude, and that was the most rain I've ever seen in my most universe. rain ever. It's crazy dude, consistently for Colorado. Pe- people are like sending me texts like it's harder than it was before. Do you know that we've been told before that our best podcasts are when we're super tired and it's late at night? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Exodus 32. <laughs> I can't, I don't even know what that noise was. Okay, let's I was happy. Exodus. It's happy, happy, happy. Exodus. The dude. Lord said the Lord said unto Moses, "Go down to your people at once. Uh, go down at once to your people whom you have brought up. Okay, let, let's talk about this. Okay. Um this is a weird passage. There's there's Yeah. I was actually just talking about this with someone this morning. Oh. With the focus team, actually. Oh, so there's um, there's probably more, but jumping to my mind, there's three places in the Bible in the Old Testament, yeah, where somebody appears to bargain with God, and kind of go back and forth and try to cut a deal with God, and uh, it raises this question, you know, can God change His mind? Which was the discussion we were having this morning. Which is, dude, that's a really intense question because if because that actually touches on the nature of prayer. So does God hear our prayers? Yeah, because if 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 God changes His mind, then what is actually taking place when we pray? Right. But is God? But isn't God simple? Well, I mean, fundamentally, God is. Yeah. So by His definition, God is unchanging. Exactly. So if He's unchanging, can He change anything about Himself, including His mind? And the traditional answer would be no. That is because the... God is unchanging. God is His name Yahweh. It's even conjugated in always the 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 constant present tense. Not I was, not I will be, but I am. He simply is. So um, it does raise this question about prayer. And if you go through, so the classic one is the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, which I think was in the mass readings a couple weeks back. 
Daily, yeah. Oh, daily readings. But remember when when Abraham goes back and forth with God. Okay, here's the city. God's oh yeah, that was Sunday. It. Yeah, yeah. Was it? It was yeah, a little. He's, like, he's like, what about fifty-seven people? Yeah. <laughs> How about like twenty-two? <laughs> twenty-two. He's, he's like, he's like, he's like. How about seventeen and a half? Yeah, and it's not. Yeah, it doesn't happen. And I mean, what? So what's? So what's the deal? By the end of the story, by the end of the bargaining, mm-hmm. who is changed? Is it God or is it Abraham? Abraham movement. Oh. Yeah, it's Abraham. I, because I was quoting Sufjan, not 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 a. The, I don't the, know him well enough. Okay. I know some of his songs. That, that's from the Come song um, called Abraham. <laughs> <laughs> If you're not listening to Sufjan Steven, you guys are missing out. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like sad. That's stuff, from the Seven yeah. Swans album. But cool. yeah, the, the, well, this is the thing: is that, is that <clears throat> if God is simple and unchanging, then we only have one option for an answer. But there's an even crazier, deeper theological answer to it: is that God actually knows us so fundamentally that um, somehow we're incorporated in His will. Yeah. From in His simple will, and yeah. this is. That, that there's such a perfection to actually what's taking place. And it's it's beyond me. I, I actually don't, I want to follow some of the readings because like I, I, when I get into this realm, I have a hard time answering because it's so too. abstract. That's why like, you kind of freaked me out when you brought up that point because I, I struggle with it. Somebody asked me that after yeah. our Stump the Theologians event the other week. Yeah. And I just had a really hard time answering it because it's a hard question. Yeah. That, that, know, and, why do we, why do we intercede for people? If God is God, if he, un- if he's not changing, What's the point? Doesn't he know the answer? Why do we need to ask for things? You know, this whole thing. It's hard. The, I mean, the, the simple answer is because it, it helps us. We are changed. We are transformed in the process of doing this. Yes. And here in, in but, the... But it also gives a... There's also a fundamental generosity of God yes. towards us in his yeah. simplicity. Well, it's a generosity of condescension. Yes. God condescends to us. So is God really... His mind's not going to be changed in this debate with Abraham, right, about the 10, 20, whatever it is. Yeah. But he condescends into it. He he speaks our language. He enters into the debate so that Abraham can, in the end, see the ways of God better. Yep. Right? And that's, so the reason we bring all that up is that's what's going on in the first reading. So it's this it's this moment, to put it, set the scene. So the Egyptians, uh, the Israelites have been released from Egypt. They're free from Egypt. They cross the Red Sea and... Um, they're at Mount Sinai. Moses went up. He got the Ten Commandments. He came down. Aaron, and Aaron actually just, he, some people were giving him gold, and he just like he just threw it in the fire, and a, and a, a molten calf popped out. It was crazy. Do you guys crazy. know that's actually what it says in the text? I know you know that, but but you should you should read this, you guys. Go back and read the golden calf story, because Aaron, when he's challenged, he's like, I don't I threw the, It just I happened, put this dude. in, and a calf came out. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's the really, worst defense It's It literally, ever. it looks it's like a two-year-old. And he we, probably knew it made it in the Bible. And he's like, oh man! <laughs> Dude, Everyone's reading that now. Yeah. Man, man, the worst. Um, so it's after that. God is so well. If God's unchanging, we use words that limp. But you know, God is so upset, frustrated. He's he doesn't change. But God is uh, disappointed in his people, right? So basically, yeah. here, here's what's going on. So it's after this has happened. Things are very, very bad for Israel. And what God says to Moses is this: Go down to your people who you brought out of the land of Egypt, for they have become depraved. They will soon turn aside from the way that I appointed. They have soon turned aside from the way I appointed to them, making for themselves a molten calf and worshiping it, sacrificing it to cry and crying out, this is your God. By the way, the calf, of course, the golden calf that they're worshiping, uh, they, they're not just big fans of cows. They built a, uh, an idol of one of the major gods of Egypt. It's the god Apis. 
right? That's what they're doing when they're building. This is not just some random. How do you spell cap. that? A P I S. I mean, I mean, in hieroglyphics. I know. I, I just thought that'd be funny. Yeah. Thanks, man. If this is. It, the, it was funny. It's right. Ra- we're starting to crash. Now. <laughs> we're both starting to crash. <laughs> All right, so see how stiff-necked this people is, continued the Lord to Moses. Leave me alone, then, that my wrath may blaze up against them and consume them. <laughs> Leave me alone. I'm going to burn my people. <laughs> In other words. So he's, anyway, he's so going to the... light them up. <laughs> <laughs> and so here's the key. Yeah, he's going to light them up. Here's the key, the key twist, then. Then I will make of you a great nation. Now, this is where things get crazy, man. <laughs> so listen to God. We're slap happy, but listen to God's language here. Wait a second. <laughs> okay, okay. What does he say at the very beginning? The Lord said to Moses, go down at once to who? Um, to your people. Your people. Whose people are they not? Not Moses's. Yeah, they're gods. I mean, all through yeah. the, the story of the Exodus, God keeps calling them my people, my, my firstborn son, mm. my chosen ones. Now, all of a sudden, the language is different. Go down to your people. Go to these stiff-necked people that are yours. And then he kind of ends this little statement by saying, then I will make of you, Moses, a great nation. They're toast. They're done. I'm done with these people. You, I'm going to make into a great nation. I mean, do you see? God is... I, it's, it, I'm hesitate to say this, but in a certain sense, he's toying with Moses. He's testing well, Moses. Here. Well, there's a couple of levels on this one. Yeah, there's a lot of levels. Because it, lot of it, it's a challenge to Moses to actually claim his people. Yes. But it's also a challenge to Moses to say, do you recognize who these people actually are? Do you recognize that they are my people? Yes. But And, the, and then he's like, yes. he's like, and then he's, he's like, do you want to be a big dog? Well... Tony, I mean, in that line that he says, I will make of you a great nation. What is that a reference to? Do you know? Because um, it's a direct reference to something. It's, a, it's a, I imagine that it's something in the Pentateuch. Yes, you're correct. All right. Dude, that, it's, give me a five. Ah! <laughs> Penta. Finds oh, five. that was good. I just got it. Yeah. Good, good job. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Peter. <laughs> it is. It's from Genesis. It's what God promises to Abraham. Oh, remember he says, "I will make of you, of you a, a great, great nation. nation." I think Moses knows that, and he's like, "Wait a second! No, no, no! That was the promise you made to Abraham. You can't usurp the promise from Abraham. In other words, and put it on me. That's wrong. Don't put that evil on me. Don't put that on me." But then here's here's where we skip a verse, and what we miss. Well, no, then then we continue on verse eleven. But Moses begged the Lord, his God, and he said, "O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people?" And, and notice Moses is turning the language back on God. No, yeah. no, no. Why is it burning hot against your, your people? people? Don't you dare call them my people. I don't want them. <laughs> He's I ain't responsible people. for this. Yeah, seriously. Who you have brought forth from the land. It, it's direct because God actually says in that first part, go down at once to your people who you brought Moses out of the land. Moses comes back. No, no, no. Why are you mad at these people who you brought out of the land? No, they're your people. No, they're your people. No, they're your people. <laughs> they're literally coming back and forth. And this, I don't know why this is cut out. So he says, you know, who you brought out verse of Egypt 12. with a mighty hand. It cuts out verse 12, which is awesome. It's a beautiful verse, which says, why should the Egyptians then say, with evil intent, he brought them forth to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from your fierce wrath and repent of this evil against your people. God actually, or Moses actually tells God to repent. Which Dude. is a pretty big thing to say to God. Why does he want him to repent? Dude, why though? do they neuter this reading? I'm so know. mad. But why does he want him to repent? What's his reasoning? 
according to that. Did you hear that? Yes. There's a big thunderbolt. Was that what that was? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. It's crazy over here, you guys. Things oh are crazy. <laughs> it's like, dude, I'm waiting for like a, a dove with the olive branch <laughs> to land, dude. The olive garden. Um, <laughs> I'm waiting for a dub from Olive Garden. <laughs> oh, oh man. man, dude. That's um, just... Okay, so yeah, so, so why does he? I don't. I, I mean, what does he say? He, he says, says repent because why? What does he say in verse twelve? I, I well, you just read it. To oh, me, you're looking I, at it from the readings. I'm looking I'm for sorry. the readings. I thought you had your. Nah, I didn't. I don't have my. I can go to my. Bible. I'm not going to tell people you don't have your Bible. He says, otherwise the Egyptians are going to hear about oh, this. Yeah, and, and they're going to be like, hey, that God just freed his people so we could obliterate them. Mm. Moses' concern is actually the witness of the faith in the rest of the world. If you remember the Exodus story, one of the intentions God had for the, the plagues and the setting them free, number one, it was for the Israelites. I want to set you free. Yeah. But number two, it was so that the Egyptians could know who I am and actually come and follow me. And if you read the story, there were many Egyptians that left with them in the Exodus. They got it. So Moses is very concerned about that. And then he goes on, he says, uh, remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, or Jacob. Why is he bringing that up? Because God's trying to peg a promise that was Abraham's on Moses. So what's God doing? Why is he condescending to, to Moses in this way? He's actually making Moses remember and articulate Number one, salvation history, the promises made to Abraham. Number two, the purpose of the Exodus in the first place, that it was not just for us, but that the whole world could see who you are. I mean, he's doing this so that Moses can understand and go through these things. And there's this great moment, it comes a little bit later on. Um, I don't think it's included in this. But Moses basically says, okay, I'm sticking with them. I don't want you to make me a nation. If you leave them, you're leaving all of us. You're leaving me as well, which is this really profound moment of solidarity with a really sinful people that is constantly complaining about Moses and yelling at him and whining to him, who it seems on a human level, if I was Moses, I would want to be rid of them as soon as possible. But he gets the opportunity and he actually feels this really profound, really beautiful solidarity with the sinful people. If they're getting kicked out, I'm going with them. Dude, that's awesome. Which is beautiful. And that's what God wants from Moses. What does he want Moses to be? He wants Moses to be not this big, strong, tough, articulate leader. He wants Moses to be an intercessor, an intercessor, someone who will intercede on behalf of his people. And that's what he's becoming in the course of this dialogue. It's really beautiful. It's phenomenal. And and why? And I mean, to take it one step further, why is he doing this? He's showing Moses. Moses is taking on, in a certain sense, the sin and the punishment of the people that he doesn't deserve. He was the one person totally free of this sin. He was up on a mountain, but he comes and he takes on the punishment due to them. Mm. And what's that setting us up for? Of course, it's setting us up for the cross. For Jesus, yeah. Which is really, really beautiful. Dude. Keep on bringing it, because man, I'm liking what's happening here. Yeah, well, that's what I got on. Uh, that's what I got on Exodus, dude. Uh, yes, this is neat. Amen. Uh, amen. I said, I said, I said, amen. I said, amen. So that takes us to the Psalm. Psalm. So here's the deal. What? Okay, I don't understand the liturgy well enough. You, you are the priest. I am, I am a scripture a, guy. I am a priest. You can are you a layman. Just, can you just cherry pick? I mean, in the psal- in the responsorial psalm, can you just cherry pick a gospel line and be like, oh, well, the responsorial psalm is going to come from Luke this time, <laughs> which yeah. is what the liturgy does, which obviously is legit. I'm not questioning the church. I just am surprised that 
The responsorial psalm happens to be from Luke. When the it's like Can Psalm fifty that? Psalm fifty one plus Luke fifteen eighteen. Like, <laughs> dude, I is that common? I've is that never normal? seen that before. You haven't ever. seen it either. Okay. Like, like this is like it's a, beautiful. It's a beautiful connection point. But yes, it's a little weird. So. So that can you can do that. So they they take this line from the prodigal son story. The rise, I will rise and go to my father. Oftentimes they will actually take the the response from something that they really want. Hey, um, we're getting emergency flash flood warnings again until twelve forty five a.m. Who is um on a, on the phone from like, whom from the uh, Apple is tagged into the emergency center. So they're actually if if you uh, opted in, you get emergency alerts, amber alerts, and oh, weather. How do you do that? Um, I don't know. I'm getting lots of stuff myself. Yeah. Okay, let's finish this up. Um, All right, yeah, cool. So they do that. So Psalm 51 is really beautiful. It's a psalm that was um, uh, written by um, David in repentance for Bathsheba. Yeah. Uh, after Nathan the prophet came to him and said, you are the man who took the sheepy deepy. You are the man. The what? The sheepy deepy. <laughs> That's what I thought you said. Yep, the, the, the sheepy. Deepy. So here, I found something interesting about Psalm 51. I did a little research today, and I found something interesting. What did you find? Stop it. It's okay. creepy. It's late, and it's rainy, and it's creepy. And we're getting flash flood warnings. And we're getting flash flood. Things are crazy here, you It's guys. blown up. The Noahs, dude. So I can't believe we even have power to record this podcast, and Me we might neither. not have it for long. So. Dude, that'd be cool. Yeah, we've got to finish the podcast. Okay. Um, yeah, so what I found out, so in the Eastern Rites... Yes. So the Orthodox, but also the Byzantines and the Eastern. So in the liturgy of St. John Chrysostom, yep. which is a Catholic liturgy, but, you know, the Eastern race of the church, um, the priest, when I, and in that liturgy, um, the priest is, is uh, let's see. Is um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, the only psalm, it's the only entire psalm that is prescribed to be recited in its entirety for the liturgy of St. John Chrysostom. And it's to be recited by the priest. So the priest, think about this, in light of what we just said about the first reading, mm. the priest in the Eastern liturgy will pray the entire psalm taking on the words of a murderer and adulterer. Dude, you just rocked my world Isn't with the intercession of Moses and then the, the configurement to Christ and the prefigurement and the postfigurement yeah. and the in Christocopismus postis. <laughs> Nice, well said. That's a very technical term for for being in the position of Christ in Latin. That's not really okay. Yeah, that's good. Isn't that beautiful though? It's amazing. I didn't know that tradition, dude. That blew up my brain. Yeah, it's cool, dude. I now I want to do that and um and recite that before I say mass. Isn't that cool? Yeah, it's it's really beautiful. And I will go unto the altar of my God. Have mercy on me, O God. Tupem meum. What? What? Okay. All right. First Timothy. First Timothy. Timmy. So Timothy, just nutshell on First Timothy. The Timothy is one of the pastoral epistles. Okay. So First Timothy, Second Timothy, and Titus. Why are they called the pastoral epistles? They're 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 called the pastoral epistles because they're believed to be written by Paul to two uh, individuals that he left as pastors of his churches. Got it. So Timothy was left to be pastor of the church in uh, Ephesus. Didn't Timothy have to like drink some wine before his stomach? Yeah, that was some of the advice for an yep. upset stomach. Is okay. that Timothy? Yeah. I think so. He was also the one who he says, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. Oh, yeah. Or short. Or short. <laughs> oh, no. Hold on. I'm sorry. I added ah. that one. Nah. And then Titus is the other one. Titus was left behind basically to be the bishop on uh, on Crete. So what these letters are, are basically advice to new pastors. What does it mean to be a bishop, to be, um, yeah, to pastor a church? All right, folks. Well, if you're listening th- straight through with us, um, 
the podcast actually ended there in our recording. That was done on Wednesday night. Uh, I'm not talking to you on Thursday afternoon. Um, if you're following the news, you might know that uh, Boulder has been flooding for the last couple of days. Torrential rains, all sorts of crazy stuff. We have had, this has been the most interesting, ridiculous recording of a podcast I think we've ever had. We started Wednesday morning with a family of bears in the tree outside of our house, outside of the rectory. And uh, we came back to record it later on that evening, and there was this huge floodwater rains. Um, our church is flooded. Our offices are flooded. Boulder's a mess. Um, things are totally crazy. But uh, And if you've been hearing about this on the news, depending on when you're listening to this, we want you guys to know that we are so serious about the Lanky Guys podcast and the Word on the Hill that we're going to get this stinking podcast out one way or the other, even if there is a flood. Uh, where we left off that last moment last night, that was when all the emergency sirens started going off in town and they started evacuating parts of Boulder. Um, things are crazy. Pray for us because things are a mess. Again, I'm recording this on Thursday and the rains are still coming and things are kind of weird. So anyway, um, we love you guys. Thanks for listening to us. And uh, we're going to keep going. I'm actually solo right now to finish out the podcast Father Peters in Boulder. I'm back at my house in Louisville, just outside of town. And so we're going to wrap this thing up. Um, but we left off talking about the pastoral epistles, this this passage from 1 Timothy that Paul gives us. And again, this is advice that he's giving to Timothy, who's a young pastor in the church. And really what you see if you read 1 Timothy, if you get this, this passage, Paul is actually giving his own testimony. He's talking about um, the things that he's done, the ways that he's sinful, the ways that um, he's actually failed. But the fact that Jesus in his mercy has called us to this has called him to be a leader and to, as a pastor and as a teacher despite that. And in some ways, even because of it, because God can use those things. He says, um, Jesus Christ came to the world to save sinners. Of these, I am the foremost. But for that reason, I was mercifully treated so that in me as the foremost, Christ Jesus could display all of his patience as an example for those who would come to believe in him for everlasting life. It's beautiful. So Paul is, you know, in a certain sense, putting his mouth, putting his money where his mouth is in this theology, how Jesus Christ takes that on. Well, guess what? He took on Paul's sin. He took on the stuff from me is what Paul is saying. And that, my friends, brings us to Luke chapter 15. I mentioned that this was actually my, um, possibly my favorite chapter in the Bible. And really, if you had to theme, if you had to put a title on this chapter, Luke 15, you could call it the lost and found because there's three different stories, three distinct parables that Jesus tells about things that are lost and are now found. And the first one in the details, and you've heard these all before, probably the first one he tells is the story of the, the lost sheep. Remember, there was a guy, um, a shepherd who had a hundred sheep and he lost one. And he was left with 99. And it says, you know, what man having having 100 sheep, losing one, would not leave the 99 in the desert and go after the one until he finds it. And when he finds it, he puts it on his shoulders with great joy and arriving home. He calls together his friends and neighbors and he says to them, rejoice with me for I found my lost sheep. It, I tell you, in, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who have no need of repentance. Again, you've probably heard that before. But here, here's the, the key to this. When Jesus is telling all three of these parables, he's actually, uh, what Luke tells you is that he's with a group of sinners and tax collectors. They're all drawing near to, to hear Jesus. And there's a bunch of Pharisees around complaining and whining that this guy eat, receives sinners and eats with them. So when I think of this passage, I always picture Jesus is probably in the house of some sinner or tax collector and he's actually eating with them. And I wonder, you know, I always picture, we know that there's these uh, Pharisees and scribes standing around. They're probably, you know, right outside the house, maybe listening at the windows at the doors, kind of eavesdropping on what Jesus says. 
And what Luke tells you is that Jesus addressed them this parable. And you got to kind of ask, who is the them? Who's Jesus talking to? Well, I mean, he's probably at a table surrounded by sinners and tax collectors, but I think he also knows that there is a group of scribes and Pharisees listening at the door. And so he's actually addressing these parables for both of them. Now, look at this one. We don't really have time to go into all of them in depth, but look at this first one. The first one is this man, you know, who uh, a shepherd who's out in the wilderness. Think about this for a second. And again, you've probably heard this, but maybe you've never thought about it this way. There's someone who has 99 perfectly good sheep. One of them, well, he has 100. One of them is missing. There's 99 perfectly good ones. And what does he do? Well, he goes off in, in search of the lost one. And, but it says he leaves the 99 in the wilderness, in the desert. He doesn't leave them in a nice pen or, you know, in a, in a barn someplace. He actually endangers the other 99 by going after this one. And if you think about this, economically speaking, that's a terrible decision. Economically, you wouldn't, you just cut your losses, right? You'd take the 99, perfectly good sheep. You still, you know, you're still coming out ahead. You just lost one. It's not that big of a deal. Economically, this guy's making an awful choice. He's putting in danger all 99 for the sake of one. But here's the thing. Jesus's culture was not an economic-based culture. It was what was called an honor culture. And in an honor culture, it mattered if you fulfilled your responsibilities or not. So in other words, this shepherd, if he came back to town and he had to tell everybody, you know what, I had I had 100 sheep, but now I have 99, so that's, that's pretty good, he would be shunned. He would be shamed because he lost one. You go out to the wilderness with 100 sheep, you should come back with 100 sheep. If he lost one of them, whose responsibility is that? Whose honor is at stake? Well, it's his. He lost the sheep. Now, he may have done nothing to cause it. You know, it might not have really been his fault that the sheep ran away, but there's nobody else. The buck stops with him. It's his responsibility. So in an honor culture, you find the sheep no matter what. Now, here's the thing. There's a group, a specific group of people in Jesus' time that put the title on themselves of the shepherds, the shepherds of the people, and that was the Pharisees, the very people that are standing outside of this house listening in on Jesus. So what's going on? The so-called shepherds are listening in. Where is Jesus? He's inside this house with the lost sheep of Israel, the sinners, the tax collectors, maybe the prostitutes, literally the lost sheep. So you have to ask yourself the question, if there are lost sheep in the people of Israel, whose responsibility was that? And the answer in an honor culture is, it's the shepherd's responsibility. They may have done nothing to cause them to, to go off or to run away or to fall into sin, but there's nobody else. It's their responsibility. They are the shepherds. So what's Jesus saying? He's saying, look, I've actually gone and found the lost sheep. I've done the job that you were supposed to do. But yet the shepherds are outside of the house mocking their sheep. They're making fun of them. And Jesus is basically, I mean, look at what he says in the end of the parable. He says he comes back and he invites his neighbors and his friends to rejoice with him for he found the lost sheep. What's Jesus saying? Hey, you guys, you failed at your job. There are lost sheep. You didn't find them, but I did. So come inside and rejoice with me. But they don't want to do it. They want to stand out and make fun of them. It's a pretty powerful statement. Again, Jesus has taken on the burden of what these guys were supposed to do because he's the good shepherd. So it resonates with these other, uh, these other readings. The second story of the lost and found is this woman who has coins and she lost one of them and then she finds it. And again, she calls all of her friends and neighbors. The, the key underlying theme is that whoever loses something in these stories and finds it, they call everybody together to celebrate, which is Jesus' major point. You should come in with me and celebrate because these lost sheep have been found. 
And the whole thing ends with the story of the prodigal son, which, um, you know, you guys know this story, so I'm not going to go into it too much. But the thought of this, maybe I will say this, I was debating this, um, really quick, let me tell you this, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I think it's worth saying again. There was a story going around in Jesus's time. Um, you know, you knew a good rabbi, not by their ability to think of new and exciting ideas, but you knew a good rabbi by their ability to quote other rabbis. So all of the best rabbis in Jesus's time, one of the stories that they were telling was a story, a parable that went like this. It said there was a man who had two sons. And one day the youngest of the sons went off and uh, squandered. He came to his father and he said, give me my share of the inheritance. He went off. He squandered on loose living and eventually became in want. And he found himself, um, you know, he joined himself to a member of that country and he was feeding the pigs and he started longing after what the pigs were eating. And so he realized how many of my father's hired servants have food enough to spare, but here I am languishing after what the pigs have. So he decided, I'm going to get myself together. I'm going to go back to my father and I'm going to fall on my face and I'm going to say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your ser- your son. Take me back as a hired servant. So he does it, gets himself together. He makes his way back. And while he was still a long way off, the father actually spotted him. And as he made his way, the father went out to the gates of the city to meet him. And when the father met the son, the son fell on his face and he said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Take me back as one of your hired servants. And the father, in the original story, looks at the son, and he takes a pot of rotted vegetables, and he dumped the rotted vegetables in front of the son. And he said, so are you to me. You're dead to me. You've shamed us. You're not worthy to be called my son. You've brought dishonor on our family. Leave here and never come back. And that was a story that was being told in Jesus' time. So can you imagine when Jesus shows up and he starts to say, there was a man who had two sons, Everybody's probably thinking, oh, yeah, he's going to tell this one again. I wonder what his little twist is going to be as as a rabbi. You always have your little twist that you put on it, your little flavor. And when he comes to the end of the story and he says, instead of dumping rotted vegetables, the father in his story actually runs to the son. He sprints to meet him. That's a profound moment because really the father has been shamed. And really the father has been kind of insulted and spat upon. But that father is so excited by the possibility of his son returning that he runs, which would have been totally dishonorable to do in that culture. But he runs. And when he gets to him, he pulls him off of his feet. He doesn't let him fall on his face. He embraces him. And he puts the coat on him. He puts the ring in his finger, partially because there were other people who would probably be pretty ticked off that that son was back because he dishonored the whole family. And we know there was another brother. But he brings him back says, if you mess with him, you mess with me. And what does he do? He brings everybody together to have a huge party, a huge celebration. That is what Jesus is trying to tell the Pharisees and the scribes to do. Look, there are these sinners, but they have come back. They've recognized it. Now come and celebrate with me. Jesus has taken all of those things on himself. He's even take the bur- taken the burden of their sin on himself. And now what he's saying is, we need to celebrate We need to celebrate that there is repentance because, again, you go back to the readings in the Old Testament. We saw, you know, very grim stories. Moses says, no, this people is awful, but, you know, I'm with them and I'm going to stick with them. And God says, all right, so be it. You're going to receive some of the punishment of the people. He never sees God's face again. You see that coming out in the story of David. David, of course, you know, he is forgiven, I believe, but he never fully was able to see that. I don't know if he felt that. All of his Psalms are greatly... um, sorrowful and mourning when he writes the Psalms. Then you get to Paul's letter and Paul begins to finally get it. And then you put flesh on it when you get to the gospel reading. And Jesus is saying, no, what you've been waiting for, this grim oppression of sin, the death, the punishment that's been wrought, 
it's over now. I've dealt with it. Now is the time that we can actually party, which is really, really good news. Last night when I uh, was still in Boulder, trapped, and we were trying to bail out the rectory, there were a lot of college students just running around with their shirts off and stuff, partying on the hill because they were so excited about this. We should party like that with abandon because we're so excited that our sins have been forgiven. You know, Keep your clothes on. Some things got pretty weird last night in Boulder. Boulder's a weird town, by the way. Anyway, um, it's good news. It's really good stuff. We want to thank you guys for listening. On behalf of Father Peter and on behalf of myself, thanks for listening to the Lanky Guys this week. Hopefully, we will be back next week as long as there's power and we are not underwater and our houses have not floated away, but hopefully they will have not. Um, so, coming to you live from the flood, uh, my name's Scott Powell. On behalf of Father Peter Musset, we will see you guys next week. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado, www.thomascenter.org. You can also send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. See you next week.